0: the big bets on campus podcast podcast Podcast.
1: all right here we go 15
0: 20 25
1: 30 35 40 45 50 and the kick is blocked the college football world Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by Bet MGM. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. I am Mike Calabrese and I am joined by our intrepid co-host, Mike Ionello, live from his Jeep Grand Cherokee. I assume that you're road tripping for UConn Army. You're on your way to West Point. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. You got you got to represent. We got Max
2: Shin. We got to drive up to New England, the, the college football capital of the world. Doing what I got to do to, to be here to pod.
1: It's that time of year with New England football, the center of the entire college football universe. A reminder to our audience to follow us over on the action app, BBOC G5 deep dive. You can see all of our picks throughout the week. And as of this morning, the college basketball best bets podcast is back with the three man weave right here on the big bets on campus podcast. You're able to hear them on Wednesdays for the next couple of weeks. And then we're going to change the schedule up a little bit moving forward once college football is done and a programming note on that as well. Next week, obviously being feast week, turkey day black friday all of those fun times with your in-laws so what we're going to do is shift it up no new bcs episode next week but on monday we'll have the recap show the g5 deep dive on tuesday and then our flagship program with stucky and colin on wednesday so make sure to check your feeds for all of that all right ianello you're already our hero you know carrying on the podcast remote in your vehicle so let's start with your g5 hero from week 11.
2: I'm cheating again. You know I love to do this, but I can never decide because I, I love all of them. They're like my children. I want to give them all love. So I'm going to give G5 Heroes of the Week to a trio of G5 linebackers. Starting with it, you mentioned the UConn Huskies. Jackson Mitchell, stud. Nine tackles, two fumble recoveries. Return one for a touchdown. UConn beats Liberty. They are now bowl eligible. He is second in the country with 117 tackles. Leads the country in fumble recoveries. Jackson Mitchell from UConn, absolute stud. Second one I want to give some love to, UL Monroe, Quay Drake. I mean, this dude had an unbelievable game. Blocked punt for a touchdown. Pick six returned from a t- for a touchdown. Uh, ULM won 31-28 with 300 total yards of offense and one offensive touchdown. That's like almost impossible to do, but they basically did it because of Quay Drake. And finally, you had to mention it, Carlton Marshall. We kind of jokingly said he might break the record this week. He did. He had 22 freaking tackles against the Army to set the FBS all time record 546 stars. This is a former walk on who's like five foot nine and is the greatest tackler in college football history now. So, Carlton Marshall, you are G5 hero of the week.
1: I love Carlton Marshall. I've been running a college fantasy football league for 21 years. He was my individual defensive player. He carried me to the holiday bowl, which I'm in this week. Shout out to Asher's chocolate covered pretzels. If I win that minor bowl game, that's what I'll be bringing to Thanksgiving as a real hero. For my G5 hero from week 11, I'm going with the head coach. I'm going with Jim Mora.
0: Shit. I don't know if that's effort or not. It's horse shit ball carrying. I know that. Horse shit.
1: Can you make an argument that anyone else has done a better coaching job this season? I mean, they've already got six wins. If they win this weekend, that means they'll have as many wins as they had in the previous four seasons. And they haven't won a bowl game since Papa John's wasn't problematic back in 2009 when they beat (laughs) South Carolina. So the fact that they are on the precipice of a bowl invite, I understand that there's issues because they don't have a conference tie-in. So even if they get to seven wins, that doesn't necessarily help them all that much in terms of what needs to happen. It's just more of an issue of the eligible team. And then they'll, they'll slot in for, you know, one of the bowl tie-ins if a team doesn't get to that six win threshold. But regardless, this story has been incredible. And I love the fact that it was last summer. When the AD travels out to Ketchum, Idaho to see Mora, it's like a, a scene right out of like Moneyball or a movie where it's like, we got to find this obscure guy to kind of save our season. Halfway between Gimlet and Sawtooth City, Idaho, which is obviously, I want to give you, you know, the big cities there in central Idaho so you have an idea of where Ketchum is, and convinces him, talks him into it $1.5 million per year. And in one season, now there's already articles running in like the Hartford newspaper. Can we keep Mora? How can we, you know, keep this guy here to, to continue to build with four years left on his contract? Just an incredible turnaround. Really appreciate, you know, what he's done for UConn football because it's fun for us. We want to see a great G five story. I understand that they're, you know, FBS independent, but we're, we're, we're a big tent organization here. So we're bringing in the Huskies. All right. We're going to hop into our best bets for this week, 12 of the college football season. Let's get it started with yours. Ionella.
2: Meet me. I'm taking UTSA minus 13 against Rice.
1: Do you know what Rice doesn't do well? Uh, There's a couple things they don't do well. I'm going to say stop the pass. Stop the pass.
2: They are 102nd in the country in success rate defending the pass. 118th defending passing explosiveness. They've allowed 22 passing touchdowns this season. Over the last four weeks, they've given up 14 touchdowns through the air. They've been awful recently. La Tech put up 41. Charlotte put up 56. UTEP put up 30. Western Kentucky put up 45. They give up just a ton of big plays. And then when teams get past the 40-yard line, they score a touchdown pretty much every time. Well, do you you want to know what UTSA does extremely well? Pass the ball, finish drives. Roadrunners are fourth in the country in passing success, 16th in the country in finishing drives. We talked about him all year. Frank Harris, 300 yards per game, 22 touchdowns, just six picks. He's completing 70% of his passes. He has just one interception since September. And, you know, DeCorey and Clark is out for the season, which absolutely sucks. But I think maybe Ohio State, but like UTSA might be the only team in the country that can lose a dude with 50 catches, 750 yards and eight touchdowns and be like, oh, well, he's our number three receiver anyway. You know, they still have Zacar Franklin. They still have Josh Cephas. And a big thing I like about this UTSA team, too, and what they've been doing is, obviously, after losing sincere McCormick, it really took them a while to get the running game going. But with the emergence of freshman uh, and Barnes, to go along with Brendan Brady, who's been the main back all year, they have over 200 rushing yards in four of the last five games. Barnes had just six carries to the first six games. Now he's over 100 yards in three of the last four games. So they're really coming on. The one area weakness for UTSA has been giving up big plays, but that's not always something you have to worry about with Rice. Uh, TJ McMahon was benched last week after tossing two picks. They brought in a freshman to get some reps. He threw two picks. So the Roadrunners have seven straight ga- have won seven straight games by an average of 17 points. I just think they're two touchdowns better than the Owls, and I think they can throw it all over this, this uh, secondary.
1: So give me UTSA. I'll lay the 13. It's also a bit of a mystery with Luke McCaffrey. He was a no-show last week. We don't know what his status is for this game. It's not exactly a deep team offensively, and he was clearly one of their best weapons. So another thing to monitor in terms of going with the Roadrunners there. For my best bet, I'm finally, with gusto, going to fade UAB. Traveling to Death Valley, taking on LSU. The Bayou Bengals lay in 14 and a half. And here's kind of how I think of the game from a narrative perspective. LSU already got their letdown game out of their system. They go into frigid conditions against Arkansas. They play a listless game offensively. But luckily, their pass rush was there to save the day, to pull a full Brett McMurphy. I'm getting something through my earpiece right now. Oh, Harold Perkins just had another sack. (laughs) The kid had four sacks last week and UAB cannot protect their quarterback. LSU secondary, I think has the goods to be able to shut this down, you know, from uh, an aerial show. And then it's all Dwayne McBride loading up the box to stop them. And then finally, as I said, it's narrative based. It's situational based. LSU cannot mess around. This is old school BCS era where it's like, you got to run it up. You got to impress the computers. In this case, it's impress the committee because As as much as it may seem as though, you know, win out, beat Georgia in the SEC title game, you're in, you're the SEC champion. Tennessee's ahead of them, and Tennessee has the benefit of one fewer loss and the head-to-head win in Baton Rouge. I don't care what the committee says, you know, you have to win your conference championship, blah, blah, blah. The teams played, and they went to their house, and Tennessee beat them. So this is a spot where they got to win in my opinion, by North of four touchdowns to really show the committee, yes, we can beat the doors off of any team that is perceived to be weaker than us. So I'm going to go with LSU minus 14 and a half, not scared away by the hook in that spot. What are your thoughts on Brian Kelly, you know, potentially smashing a G5 team to impress the committee? I agree with you. They're just all McBride and LSU should be able to stop that run pretty pretty easily. Now it's time for our G5 high five, our round robin segment. The G5 high five. Should we high five? High five. Got to start it here.
2: I'm taking South Florida plus 13 and a half at Tulsa on Friday night. I think gross is an understatement. <laughs> this is my tribute to Stucky. I'm, I'm I'm getting Stucky's dumpster dive in a little early. So when he, I'm hoping Stuck dives in as well. And then I'll be like, oh, welcome. <laughs> this number is just too big for a Tulsa team that stinks. Tulsa shouldn't be laying 13 and a half, 14 against anybody. They haven't covered a spread in five straight games. They're just three and seven ATS, which is the same as South Florida is. And you look at South Florida, yeah, that the interim head coach principal has been pretty profitable throughout the whole year. They were tied last week at halftime against SMU, and they should have covered. But they went for two down 18 with a minute and a half left because, God forbid, you lose by 16 instead of 17. and, 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 you know, just kick the field and get the cover. But whatever. I'm hoping he does it this week. As bad as South Florida is on defense, and they're horrible, I'm not going to say South Florida is good. This Tulsa offense is horrible. Davis Brin stinks. He leads the country in picks last year. He's got eight this year, was hurt a couple weeks ago, missed the game, came back last week, ended up getting benched because he played so bad. He's a senior. I think they're starting to let Braylon Braxton take over, but he's completing just 50% of his passes. This offense is 70th in passing and rushing. They're just not built to, like, blow anybody out. And then defensively, while Tulsa has been good against the pass, it really struggles against the run. And running the ball is the only thing South Florida does well. They're 39th in the country, 14th in explosiveness. Last year, they had Jaron Magnum and Kelly Joyner, who led the way. But both have only played four games this year. And instead, it has been star kick Returner and Action Network Group of Five All-American return man, Brian Battee. This dude is so fast. He's averaging 87 yards per game. He got over 100 yards in each of his last three games. Pulse is just 83rd at defending explosiveness on the ground. So I think if they if they just feed Brian Batte on the ground, he can just outrush the Golden Hurricanes, and I think they cover this two touchdown spread.
1: Go with God on that one. I, <laughs> I, I I really, I really hope that you're right. I still, if there, if I had to basically sum up their entire season, it was me playing them in week one against BYU. And by the time I checked in on the game, they were already down 21-0. They gave up like a 75-yard play to Puka Nakua to get the whole thing started. That's kind of how it's gone for South Florida. I appreciate the fact that you're trying to to fade another team who probably not getting as much heat as they should be for being bad this year. And I agree, you know, South Florida was certainly feisty against SMU. So maybe you're on to something there, but I'm just at this point of the season, I'm going to be treating myself now that there's some crossover games with power five teams. I'm going to be treating myself to some good football. I'm going to go ahead with Florida state land 24 against Louisiana. So FSU, here's the thing. In this particular game, it comes down to quarterback play. Jordan Travis has broken through. He is clearly one of the best dual threats in the entire country, all the way up to ninth in total QBR. His last four games, 11 touchdowns, one interception, added in two rushing touchdowns as well against the Louisiana team that's still trading on its previous value. This is not the team that was you know, playing under um, Billy Napier for so many years, they were just dominating the Sun Belt West. They were a known, you know, quantity in terms of that brand of football they were trying to play. This year, their offense has fallen off a cliff. They're 107th in success rate. They can't throw the ball, which is what they're going to need to do to keep up in this game and protect, protect uh, potentially, I should say, have a backdoor cover. All of these things, I think, are trending against them. And then finally, from an FSU perspective, we know how well they can run the football. But Louisiana is more than happy to give up huge plays, chunk plays through the air. So I think you're going to see you know, an FSU team that's still focused. The look-ahead game to Florida, or to, against Florida in a rivalry game in Week 13, I don't think that's as big or as looming as it would be if there was an opportunity to get into the college football playoff. So I don't think they're necessarily going to look past Louisiana in this game at 24 is fine with me in terms of laying the points I know we've been down on the raging Cajuns but is there anything I'm missing in this particular spot with a Sunbelt West team that's kind of reeling at this point
2: I'm just a little confused because this whole time I thought the whole point of this podcast was to shine light and give some love to the little guys in the group of five and here you are Benedict Calabrese turning heel Picking against all the G, we're supposed to be the G five guys. You're picking against all the G five. What what are we doing here? This isn't supposed how to be. How many times? How many Let's times do I have to, to pick the rice? Five.
1: These absolute dregs no, we're, and we're, talk about Nevada. I've earned this. I've put in the work, and I am ready to get on the fade train back to I'm you going with, for your
2: next pick. I'm going with a fun one for everyone who loves the G five and loves our you know G five heroes: Houston, East Carolina. Over 66 and a half. Who the hell is getting a stop in this game? Uh, You want to know how Houston followed up their brilliant defensive performance where they allowed 77 points and nine passing touchdowns to SMU? They allowed 486 passing yards and three touchdowns to Temple. CJ Warner, Kurt Warner's kid, absolutely torched them through the air last week. Dana Holgerson, this dude is a certified dip. They are now 107th in the country at defending passing success rate. Our boy, Holton Aylers is going to absolutely cook this secondary. This is a special day for Ehlers, too. This is senior night at ECU, and that's an extra special senior night considering he has been there since George Bush Sr. was in office. So I'm sure it's going to be emotional for him. He's already the school's all-time passing leader in yards, touchdowns, and he should have a huge matchup here his last game in ECU
0: it's got to be the best pirate
2: I've ever seen. So it would seem. CJ Johnson and Keaton Mitchell both left last week's games with like what looked like very serious injuries. Johnson was stretched off and taken to the hospital. Mike Houston said they're both fine, they've both been practicing and they're both expected to be 100% on Saturday. Don't know how it's possible, but I love it because I love CJ Johnson. Uh, Mitchell also has been running like a madman since uh, Raji Harris got hurt. She's in these Not good against the run either, so I think they both have good games. On the flip side, Houston's 14th in the country in passing success. Clayton Tune and Tank Dell are one of the best connections in the country. ECU's defense has been great against the run, but their secondary has been torched. They're 108th in passing success in the country. Uh, Both teams' special teams are also just a mess. ECU especially is just so bad on special teams, so we could see short fields, blocked punts, fumbled punts. This should be A hole in Aylers, Clayton Toon, absolute slugfest. We could see another 77-63 game. So I'll take the over here. Nobody's getting a stop in this one.
1: This is my favorite play of yours. Maybe maybe the whole season. I I, I think this is an absolute hand yeah. over. And I mean, we talked about Doug Belk, the million-dollar man. You know what he was probably doing last night at you know or two nights ago at midnight when it turned to November 15th, just refreshing his Chase Bank account to make sure that those direct deposits were still coming in because the fact that he's still cashing paychecks and coaching up a defense that is this bad is i i mean i would feel nervous if i was him to go from one of the best coordinators in the g5 to potentially getting canned all in if one it, season if it make if it makes uh, him
2: feel any better he did lose the broils award to josh gaddis who also might get fired and is pretty much the worst offensive coordinator that doesn't work at texas M.
1: so at least that makes him feel a little bit better <laughs> All right, you called me out for no G5 love. How about this for G5 love? Troy, minus 14 against the Louisiana Monroe. Two wins away from winning the Sun Belt West. So they are locked in. Their defense has been just absolutely amazing. Last five games, they're holding opponents to 11 points per game. They're eighth nationally in limiting explosive plays. ULM's defense is on the opposite end of the spectrum. They are so bad that this could be a showcase for Troy's offense. 100th in success rate, 110th in havoc, 123rd in takeaways. The Warhawks are a disaster at this point in the season. I love Troy. I understand that they're a low-scoring team. They don't do anything particularly well offensively, but I think they get to 28-31 points in this game, and this could be a goose egg. This could be a shutout for Monroe in this spot. I love what Troy has done. I think they're one of the best stories in all of the G5, and as we mentioned, at this point in the season, when you get to bowl eligibility or potentially have a rivalry game on deck, you can have those look-ahead spots, but because they have South Alabama, for all intents and purposes, a half game behind them in the Sunbelt West standings. There's no look ahead potential whatsoever. So coming off of their 10-9 win against Army, I see their offense tripling that offensive output and getting past the Warhawks. What are your thoughts on the Carlton Marshals and the rest of the Troy Trojans?
2: You know I love Troy. Never going to say no to to betting on them.
0: All right, before we continue, as a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So, kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200, and your first wager is risk free up to $1,000. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada. D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877 8 hope ny or text hope ny in new york call or text the tennessee Redline at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in mississippi in ontario if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you please contact connects ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii ohio and utah and other states were prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york
2: uh for my last break of the g5 high five I'm gonna say a phrase I don't know has ever been spoken by any human ever. I'm gonna lay double digits on the road with UNLV.
1: Ooh. Oh boy. Okay. Hey, listen, Randall Cunningham's not walking through that door to play quarterback and punter, but I'm listening. UNLV just needs wins against Hawaii and Nevada
2: to reach a bowl game for the first time since 2013. They've reached the postseason just once in the last 20 years. In just four times in their 45-year history. They've just combined for just six wins in the previous three years, and they're on pace to do that against the two worst teams in the Mountain West. Doug Brumfield is back. He missed the last three games, despite the fact that they've lost five straight games. They lost to San Jose State, Air Force, and Notre Dame, all without Brumfield. Fine losses. And then since his return, they lost to San Diego State by four and Fresno State by seven. So I don't think their results have really been indicative of how much better this team is than last year's team. By the way, a team last year that blew out Hawaii. And like I said, I think they're much, much better. Aiden Robinson is is averaging 95 yards per game. That's second in the Mountain West, nine touchdowns. Brumfield has six scores with his legs too. And Hawaii is horrific against the run. They've allowed 222 yards per game, 5.8 yards per carry, 127th in the country. They've given up 27 rushing touchdowns this season. Colin Wilson's power ratings have Hawaii 128 out of 131 teams. He makes UNLV a 12 and a half point favorite on a neutral field. There is no bigger myth in college football than Hawaii having home field advantage on the Island. It's one of those things that everyone always assumes they're going to because, Oh, the tough travel and the time zone and you got to be on a plane and, you know, Colt Brennan and, you know, they're not walking through that door. Since 2014, teams playing against Hawaii on the island are 33, 19 and 2 against the spread, 61% cover rate. They have two winnable games for UNLV. But they should be double digit favorites in both. I think they're going to be dialed in and focused. And they are, I think, more than mo- similar to UConn. They know how much this opportunity does not come around often in Las Vegas. I think UNLV beats Y by double digits.
1: The fact that UNLV opted for a field goal down 10 on Friday night, killing my Fresno minus nine and a half play. I'm just going to sit this one out. I, I'm too emotional about it. It's it's still stinging. Hey, that, that
2: just tells me they know the spread. Good for them. That's perfect. That's what I want.
1: No spread. Go for it, baby. Speaking of spreads, throw them out the window. We don't need them. Moneyline underdog parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. I'm going to get it started. Ainello's been basically telling me all season, Breeze, just reel it in a little bit. Just take a team that's, you know, catching two points in the spread, you know, maybe a plus 120. Let's get a winner out there. And you know what? I've really, I've listened, I've internalized that, and I've decided to go in the absolute opposite direction. UConn money line plus 320 over Army. Are you kidding me with this money line? What disrespect for UConn? Listen, UConn runs as much as any non-service academy team in the entire country. 181 yards per game on the ground. They got three guys with over 400 yards. They can do it. Army's run defense stinks. 203 yards per game allowed 118th nationally 5.1 yards per carry that's 119th and let's look look at UConn's resume here as an underdog 17 point plus underdogs they won outright against Fresno I know Hayner wasn't playing still counts Boston College beat him 13 to 3 Liberty they win 36 33 they storm the field at the rent all wins outright this is going to be a game where actual live UConn fans are going to get in their car. They're going to get the Duncan and they're going to drive to West Point, And they're going to be there. It's a two and a half hour drive. There's I'm, on some- I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Exactly. You're already there. I don't understand why this is north of three to one. This is ridiculous. I'm going to take advantage. We're going to hit one of these big boys before the season is over. And you know, time's getting a little bit short. So I'm going to go with UConn plus three twenty on the money line. What are we pairing it up with?
2: That's the first big one you've taken. I don't even hate. I'll be honest though, I hate my pick. I looked, I looked through this card four times, could not find a single money line underdog that I even remotely liked. So I'm just throwing a dart. That's what this is about. Give me Middle Tennessee State plus. I think it's like plus two hundred against FAU. I've faded FAU hundred times. I'm going to keep doing it. Both these teams just stink, and they're both five and five somehow with a chance to go bowling. I still don't think either of them are good. Middle Tennessee has already won three games outright as an underdog, including that big win over Miami. Their strength is picking up explosive plays, and they look to uh, throw the ball much more than they run it. Middle Tennessee actually isn't that bad defensively. They don't allow big plays, and they're top 40 in creating havoc. FAU, on the other hand, is horrific on defense. They're outside of the top 90 against both the run and the pass. Chase Cunningham didn't play last week, but he was a game-time decision, so I really hope he's able to play. I'm not going to lie, but backup started six games last year, so it's not like he's you know totally inexperienced, but I would very much like Cunningham to play for this. But the Blue Raiders have been at their best anyway when Frank Peasant is just running the ball well. And again, FAU can't defend the run. Teams are always going to have a chance, given how bad FAU's defense is.
1: This is the most ringing endorsement I've ever given, but take Middle Tennessee plus 200 if you want. (laughs) If you want. It's up to you. As a reminder, the Group of Five Deep Dive brought to you by BetMGM. If you take those two plays over at BetMGM, you pop them in. That's plus 1190 on the money line as a parlay. And I'm going to go ahead and run through the rest of our bets. Um, Ianello's best bet, UTSA, minus 13. My best bet, LSU, laying 14 and a half. Then for the G5 high five South Florida catching 13 and a half Houston ECU over 66 and a half UNLV minus 10 and a half Florida state minus 24 and Troy minus 14 lots of favorites on the board. We're just we're rolling with it this week, but hopefully the G5 money line underdog parlay can get all those underdog vibes going and really pay off an entire season worth of um, some struggles in that department for for that particular element of the show. Now onto our last segments, which has quickly become the most profitable segment of our podcast. What are your thoughts on any of the bonus bets or bets that were left on the cutting room floor? Just one, not necessarily that I had to lean on, but you know, you look up after you know previewing the season, we went through the Mountain West team by team. We figured Wyoming, you know, they were organ donors to other teams across the country through the transfer portal. They're headed for a 10 loss season. They're seven and three. They're catching 14 against Boise. That seems a little bit rich. Don't you think? Yeah.
2: I still don't think Wyoming is good. I just don't know how to keep winning. So I'm like, I don't think I've mentioned them once all season because I just have no feel for them at all.
1: All right. Any bonus picks that you liked that you were close to pulling the trigger on? Or do you just come to the table with, you know, multiple G5 heroes of the week? And that's the only thing that's uh, weighing you down. Uh, the only other one I had written down was Southern Miss plus seven and a half
2: against South Alabama at home. It's going to be a low-scoring game. I like both these defenses. Southern Miss, they've been actually throwing the ball pretty well with Tykes over the last couple of weeks, which is something they struggle with all year. So with their running game, and I think I, I just trust their defense, I think seven and a hook is a lot. I still think South Alabama probably wins, but Southern Miss just tends to muck up games, make them ugly, and then lose by four, take the touchdown and a hook with Southern Miss there.
1: The one I almost pulled the trigger on, but I don't think I'm allowed to. I, I think we have to have a full off-season's worth of buffer before I can get back on the Western Kentucky bandwagon. Like, close to 2-1, to one, travel into the Plains to take on Auburn. Like, their season's still alive. They do something really well. They can pass the ball just as well as any team in the G5. And Auburn's, you know, they got Cadillac Williams. No, dude, Cat- C-
2: no, no, no. Cadillac's got those boys humming. They're playing every game like it's the Super Bowl.
1: Uh, no N- way. Next Ka- next week is their Super Bowl in the Iron Bowl. So if there was ever a look-ahead spot, I didn't pull the right. trigger on it. That's why we're mentioning it here at the end of the program. But I think Western Kentucky's a live dog in that game for sure. I don't hate it, but I'm riding the Cadillac. For Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive under the Big Bets on Campus Banner brought to you by Bet MGM. Some programming notes, as a reminder, we have all kinds of great programming for you. College basketball best bets are back with the three-man weave. They drop Wednesday mornings, so right next to us on your podcast feed. And a reminder for next week, Feast Week, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, we're reshuffling the deck a little bit. No new BCS episode. On Monday, we're going to have the uh, recap of the weekend. Tuesday, we'll have our G5 deep dive. And then Wednesday, it's Colin and Stucky giving you everything from the flagship program breaking down every single FBS college football game. So we're going to get that ahead of Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Saturday. So you're all prepared. And a reminder as well, on Saturday at 10 a.m., we have our live show with Brett, with Colin, with Stucky, breaking down all the last-minute news to help you stay in the black on Saturdays. Thank you so much for listening, and we appreciate you riding with us here in Week 12 of the College Football Season.